Welcome back to Isles Game Report, brought to you by Blue Line Deli and Bagels. The hockey-themed deli just opened at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, New York. Get blue and orange bagels, custom sandwiches like the Slapshot, and my favorite, the Zamboni, and so much more. With curbside pickup and delivery, this is a place that Isles fans must check out. My name is Stefan Rosner, alongside me is boss man Christian Arnold of Islander Insight. Despite no initial action, there is plenty of things to discuss regarding the league and the future of this Islander hockey club. So you recently wrote a piece with Islander Insight about uh, small businesses in the community, you know, stepping up. So we just want to briefly tell our viewers about that. Yeah, no, um, obviously you're talking about uh, what uh, Blue Line, Deli, and Bagel are doing with Yes Men Outfitters, and that's uh, they're working together to contribute and uh, feed uh, frontline workers and First responders fighting the uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic out in Long Island. Uh, obviously, uh, if you read the story, you know that they've hit a couple hospitals. And Devin, who runs Yesman Outfitters, his cousin, I believe, is a nurse over at Winthrop University Medical Center over in uh, Mineola, which was kind of how this whole thing started. Um, he wanted to buy his cousin some breakfast. Obviously, uh, the ward she worked on wasn't a COVID nineteen ward. It's been turned into a COVID nineteen ward now. Uh, and he wanted to buy her breakfast, and that kind of turned into this whole big thing where now they've been hitting, you know, hospitals, firehouses, police stations, you know, volunteer ambulance workers, uh, you know, across Long Island to to bring them breakfast, which is a really, really cool thing for them to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I bought bought the rally towel they were selling. Uh, it says, if you know the Rangers suck, wash your hands. So it's a cool little thing for Islander friends to buy. $5, all the money goes towards helping uh uh, feed um, nurses in the hospital, so definitely a really good cause. And the league's right now deciding if they, when they could come back, if they're going to do the regular season first or the playoffs. And before you go, I'm just say I don't think the season is going to come back, just because there's so many unknowns. I know the league said they want to come back in July, playing regular season games. But what's your take on what you think the league should do? Yeah, I think the league actually has a lot of momentum, its own momentum, to actually get a season going. I think that they've continued to push back that stay-at-home uh, quarantine uh, guideline for their players. They pushed it back to April 30th, so now we're within um, you know seven, eight days of that uh, now. And ideally, I'm sure the players will probably want to get in training camps some sort and obviously finish, finish out the regular season now. With all of that being said, they, there seems to be a lot of positive momentum, at least coming from the NHL league office, and that is Gary Bettman. Um, who was on with uh, Sportsnet in Canada last night with Ron McLean talking about what could uh, what a future could look like. And obviously the big story out of last night's conversation was the fact that the league is looking at a four-arena potential site where they could host games, finish up, regular, finish up the regular season, which it seems like a lot of the general managers and team presidents want to do, and then start a, a traditional 16-team uh, playoff scenario for the postseason. Now, if that happens as a whole other issue, like you kind of alluded to, there is so many unknowns, especially with what's going on right now in the country in North America and across the world, and how the restrictions in certain cities and states and countries, obviously, there are six Canadian teams, a couple of them look like they're bound to at least make, make the playoffs, and that complicates things a little bit too, because now not only are you worrying about the United States and, and their region, but also Canada and how their um, governing bodies dictate what they feel is the best course of action for getting their country going when they think sports can get going. So there's a, there's a lot of questions, obviously, too. The NHL now thinking about holding the draft before the season ends. So um, that complicates things a lot, too, which is an interesting turn of events for the league because they've already had to push back uh, a couple of those signature events, the NHL draft, the combine, the NHL award show. All of those had been had been 
had to have been postponed and, and pushed back. So we'll see what happens there. But I think the league at least feels like there's some positive momentum going that they could get a season. And that, that that's the plan right now, um, especially with this four four uh, arena scenario. Obviously, in the East or in the Metro, I should say, it's not necessarily going to be divided by divisions. But Gary Bettman certainly hinted that that could be the case. And when you look at the, some of the cities that they've proposed, um, in the metro, that would include um, Carolina and Raleigh, North Carolina, which hasn't been hit as bad as some other uh, cities in that state and in that in that region, as well as Columbus, Ohio. So, uh, it's wouldn't imagine there are any games being played in New York, and so, even though there are four, uh, three, I should say. Well, you guess you could say four: Barclays Center, Nassau Coliseum, Madison Square Garden, and the Prudential Center. Four potential arenas to host these games. Um, but obviously, with the situation here in New York, it's a little little tough to say that that would be a realistic possibility. Yeah, what you alluded to about, you know, the different rules and countries and cities and Canada and all that stuff. And you have players that live in Europe, that go back to Europe, where they're not allowed to travel. And you don't know when the United States or Canada lifts their travel ban or, you know, across countries. Other countries might say, listen, sorry, we don't want you going. That obviously impacts the season with stars like Ovechkin if they're over there or players like that caliber where you need them part of their team for the playoffs. Another thing the league's looking at is, there's just some rumors on how a playoff scenario could happen. Every team's played 68 games. They, if they can't finish the regular season, I know they want to, but if they can't, they'll take the points, the winning percentage based off after 68 games, all that stuff. I read an interesting article. Um, it's Blue Line Station, part of Fanside Sports, that said if they based the seeding on winning percentage, the Islanders would face the Rangers in round one. Now, obviously it's not likely that they'll do that, but that would be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't foresee them really trying to go out of the realm of these non-traditional playoff scenarios. I think right now, the way it stands, that the NHL and its team presidents in the league is focused on finishing up the regular season. There's about, I, I think I looked it up last night, I think the Islanders have about 14 games left, if I'm not mistaken, something around that mark. So they're at, they're at 68 games, I believe. Um, yeah. There's a few teams that are have played a few more games. Obviously, the Islanders sitting a point back. Of a playoff spot is, is an interesting position too. With Rangers also out of the playoff spot, uh, I think they're tenth in the in the Eastern Conference, so they're about uh, you know a couple points back of the Islanders and of the final wild card spot. So it's certainly an interesting scenario. I don't really foresee that happening, um, just because I think there are a lot of teams that would not be too thrilled about that, considering that yeah. the Rangers and Islanders are not in playoff positions, and then they somehow get this weird scenario where they're not only in a playoff position but they're playing each other. And uh, while that would be exciting for the sport in New York, it's it's not something I think the NHL really wants to go into. And kind of as we've seen in the last 24 hours or so, their their focus is, like I said, on getting uh, finishing out the regular season and getting that traditional playoff uh, scenario in place, ready to go in July, which would certainly be something that I think it would benefit the Islanders and the Rangers both because if they can play out a full regular season, it certainly just take, doesn't take anything away from the fact that if they expanded the playoffs, maybe that would, wouldn't be as um, maybe enjoyable, I guess, for some of the fans and the players on those teams. I think especially for the Islanders, too, if they do finish off the regular season, they're going to have a healthy fourth line for the first time in a very long time this season. You know, Zika's has been out for a while. Clutterbuck, it feels like he's hurt all the time. And just, just have them back, especially looking at the end of their schedule. It wasn't that hard of a schedule. Now, the Islanders usually play down to bad teams. So you can't say it's a walk in the park, but it would have given them a great chance to make the playoffs. So hopefully for teams like that, bubble teams that thought the season's over and now find out we might finish out a regular season, that's that's a momentum boost right there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't I don't want to say that the Islanders played down to opponents. I think 
certainly in a lot of some of the circumstances, it's also a case of, like you mentioned, the Islanders didn't have their best uh, players on the ice. And obviously, when that fourth line isn't healthy, and I think you were the one that wrote the story the other day about that, is that the Islanders aren't a team that's as effective if they don't have all three of those guys on the fourth line uh, compared to when they do. Also, it, it when you lose a guy like Sezekis and a couple other players down the middle, the Islanders don't have a lot of center depth. I mean, right, that's the whole reason they went out and got uh, J.G. Pajot, uh, if you remember who that is, obviously. And that's kind of a big acquisition. Um, but that's a, that was their whole reason, one of the big reasons why they went out and got him, because they, they don't have a ton of center depth. And I think that's very evident when you look at what, the way the Islanders played, especially when Sezekis is out and maybe one or two of those other guys down the middle. It certainly is exposed and something that the Islanders want, I, I guess, kind of, work on getting and like I said that was the reason why Pajot was was brought in obviously he's a bit of a goal scorer as well but I mean he's a guy who wins a lot of his face-offs and is a big 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 impact player potentially for the Islanders going forward so but to your question to your point I mean the Islanders that fourth line is such a such a grit and grind and it's a it's a character line I mean when you think of the New York Islanders and the style that Barry Trotz wants to play you think of that fourth line style because it sets the tone for all three of those other lines and when those four, all four of those lines are rolling, when you can throw the fourth line out there and they're throwing hits and they're making the plays in the defensive end and that transition is in, into the offensive end, and then you can make those switches where you bring in a new line and they're hemming the puck in the opposing team's zone for a couple minutes there, that's, that's a huge boost for the Islanders. Yeah, I completely agree. And again, Sezikis on the penalty kill, just all, everything he brings and how he you know, gets that fourth line intact and together definitely will provide momentum if the season gets back underway. The biggest news for the Islanders right now is that Ilya Sorokin, their goaltending prospect from Russia, is not, is not re-signing a uh, contract with his team CSK Moscow. So he will be joining the Islanders, hopefully. We have to see it happen to believe it. But <laughs> yeah. join, joining the Islanders, and he's been, he's been impressive. I mean, this year with CSK Moscow, CSKA Moscow, excuse me, 26-10-3, 1.50 goals against average, 9.35 save percentage, 9 shutouts. And then he goes to the playoffs. 0.73 goals against average, 0.966 save percentage. We've heard it before. Russia's not as good as the NHL, but those are stats that, I mean, he might be the real deal. And the Islanders haven't had a goalie like that since before Rick DiPietro broke everything. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's even a stretch to say that Rick DiPietro was that was has as much as potential maybe, and maybe that's just the fact that I was a lot younger when uh, you know Ricky kind of came into the league and was was still really good um, before everything happened, but. I mean, right, Sorokin's been the Islanders' white whale since they drafted him. It's kind of been this big question mark of, is he going to show up? Is he ever going to come to North America? Um, And it was almost reminiscent of, I don't know if you remember him, but Kirill Petrov, when he was drafted, you know, years back, and it was kind of the same thing. He was a forward, and people like, he was a very talented forward from the KHL, and it was always this big question of, you know, it's kind of a low-risk, high-reward draft pick where if he comes, that's really, really good. And if he doesn't, all right, you know, it's kind of a, a I don't want to say a throwaway pick, but it's it's a pick that you can kind of live with them not coming. But Sorokin's obviously had this this outstanding career over in Russia in the KHL, and, you know, he's winning, um, you know, all these awards. He's the, you know, playoff MVP or whatever their championship MVP is last year, uh, leading his team to a championship in the KHL. He's, you know, played for the Russian Olympic team. Um, this is a kid that has a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of a lot on his resume already for being only what 24, 25, 24, like yeah, 24. 24. So, I mean, he already has a pretty good resume for a goaltender, and now him coming over, which it'll be also very interesting. He's very good friends apparently with Igor Shosturkin, 
um, over with the New York Rangers. So it brings a whole other element too, where you have two guys, two potentially really good goaltenders, the you know potentially heir apparent to Henrik Lundqvist, who's been the face of the New York Rangers for as long as I can remember. And then you have finally, possibly, an Islanders goaltender who can finally take that mantle and be you know the next Billy Smith, because the Islanders have been looking for that next goaltender since the '80s, since you know the Islanders dynasty years. So this is this is possibly a big. Uh, momentum shift for the Islanders as far as their goaltending depth because the whole idea when they signed uh, Semyon Varlamov during the offseason last year was that he's a guy, you know, he has this existing relationship with uh, with um, Sorokin. They have the same agent. Um, he can kind of be a bit of a mentor if he comes over here. That was the whole idea. And Lou got killed because a lot of people didn't think that Sor- Sorokin would ever actually come to North America. Um, especially after the last time when you signed the contract extension a couple of years ago when it seemed like there was a chance that he was going to come here. But now that the writing seems to be on the wall, that everything seems to be in place, that he's going to be here, um, that's a huge boost for the Islanders as far as their goaltending depth and as far as what they'll do going forward because that's always goaltending has been uh, constantly a question mark every year, year in and year in, even when they had good goaltending, even when you had Yaroslav Halak here, even when you had... Um, you know, Thomas Grice playing really well, and obviously Robin Leonard coming in last year and being um, as superb as he was. And then this year, when you kind of still had the questions where Semyon Varlamov came in, and he was kind of coming in off a couple bad years, and there was a lot of question of whether he could fill that void that Robin Leonard, who also was coming in after a couple bad years in other organizations. So, um, especially for the Islanders, this is this is a huge huge thing for them to kind of have that that heir apparent possibly. Uh, going forward where you have the time to kind of mold them and you have someone in place that can kind of mentor them uh, going forward. You don't have to throw them right into the fire and, you know, potentially mess things up. This is a, a good opportunity. And, you know, you're going to look at next season because that's likely when Sorokin will come out, be eligible to play. I know there's some speculation that maybe he can re-sign or he signs a contract and he can start this year, but that just doesn't seem to be the case right now. Um, possibly that changes, who knows. But you have a, a position next year where you have Varlamov, who you know can play well. He's played well for the Islanders this year for the most part, um, and he can play a bulk of that workload. But then you have that flexibility to put Sorokin in, get him his reps, get him some playing time. Um, but there's no urgency to it. There's no pressure. Yeah, when um, Shesterkin came over for the Rangers, he started in the AHL to give him time to get acclimated to the, the ice, different style of play. So Assuming that that might be the case for Sorokin, you have Varlamov, like you said. I mean, Varlamov has three years left, so he's definitely there for the future. So what does this mean now for unrestricted free agent Thomas Grice? Assuming he's going he's gonna to walk, they can't, they're not going to trade him for anything. And I heard uh, Andrew Gross on your podcast the other day talk about how the Devils would be a perfect fit. And I'm just trying to think back for, you know, Grice and all that. And two things stood out to me. One, obviously the uh, overtime penalty shot in uh, what was it, 2016. And that was the game that Alan Kwan won it. And mm-hmm. for me, the other memory was, I think it was a regular season game back in 2018 against the Penguins. Crosby got on a breakaway in overtime. Oh, the Grice po- comes poked it away, yeah. Center. Barclay Center, yeah. But for, for me, Grice, the Islanders have had a lot of goalies, especially through my time being an Islander fan, that come in for like a year or two, veterans, backups turn starters, or veterans well past their prime come in and try to do the job. But Grice on the Islanders, five years. He's been, he's been pretty good. 101 wins, 60 losses, 17 Overtime losses, 9.15 save percentage, 2.70 goals against, 10 shutouts, and last year he helped bring a Jennings Trophy with him and Leonard just being absolutely un- unreal. And, you know, this season it's been tough for Grice, especially with playing not as much in the still second half, but Grice has been a good backup for this Islander 
franchise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think the one thing you kind of learn about Grice and even even Varlamov to a little bit of an extent is these guys they play a lot better when they get more consistent consistent playing time. Um, and I think you saw that even uh, you mentioned the um, the save in the, uh, the Alan Quine game winning goal. I think that was what game five of that series yeah, against the, the Tavares, Panthers. The Tavares goal in overtime was the game right after that. So yeah, uh, so game it was, it was yeah games that was game six at the Barclays Center. So game five was in Florida. That was the Alan Quine game winning goal. But I mean, you look at that series and you look at um, Thomas Grice and how big of an impact he had in that series, helping get the, it was really uh, Thomas Grice and John Tavares really helping get get the Islanders to their first playoff win. Um, since 1993 in that series right there in 2016. And you look at the way he's played, he played superbly. And like I said, just had a huge factor, one of the big reasons why they won that series. And it was because he was getting more consistent playing time. So I, I think that kind of played a factor into it this year. Um, I think he's, like you said, he's been a very solid backup goaltender or 1A, 1B goaltender, however you want to phrase it. I think that's always been the organization's kind of um, characterization of how they, they label their goaltenders, especially in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate. He's such a character guy in the Islanders room and, and with us in the media, um, such a very, you know, laid back kind of happy go lucky guy, even when he has, you know, a rough performance, he's still very, um, you know, positive and there's not, not, you can't tell that if it is bothering him, you couldn't really tell it on his face. Um, so he's, he's got a great poker face. He's got a great attitude. Certainly any team that gets him is certainly going to benefit from that. Uh, I know Andrew did mention the New Jersey Devils. I also think Andrew just likes keeping the guys he likes around in the area. Yeah. <laughs> he was one of the first guys to mention um, Andy Green as a possibility yeah. for the Islanders uh, before the trade deadline. So, uh, But, I, I mean, that could be an interesting fit, too, for Thomas Grice. It'd, it'd certainly be interesting to see where he goes and how much of his play impacts his worth going forward to other teams. Yeah, Definitely. So we, we talked about Varlamov already. You know, we have three years left, $5 million annually. But if this works and Sorokin comes over, then Lou looks like a genius because his plan, he put a plan in place, executed it, and it works. And people just have to be like, well done, well done. That's how you do it. So that's why he's, that's why he's where he is in the organization. I think when you, when you look at that, I think there's, um, with a lot of GMs, that's, that's the case either. You look like a genius or you look like an idiot. There's no kind of in-between with, with a move like that. that is a, it's, it's a gamble. Um, but I also think Lou is very, very, very confident that Sorokin was coming over. He's been saying that for quite a while now. Um, so this news that he was the news a few a week or so back that he that Sorokin was most likely coming. He wasn't resigning with, um, you know, his KHL club CSKA Moscow. Uh, I, I think that was kind of a, a culmination of what Lou already kind of had a feeling in his gut, or maybe he knew a little bit more than he was leading on, which is most likely possible too. Lou has a great poker face if you ever <laughs> if you ever knew one. So um, I, I think that's the writing's been on the wall. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it looks like a great move now. But if Sorokin doesn't come, it, it looks terrible. There's like I said, there's no kind of in between with some of these moves that general managers makes. Uh, to be fair to them, yeah, and Sorokin also has to play well too. But yes, <laughs> hopefully that, that hopefully that pans out for the Islanders. Quickly, we'll go over to the salary cap, and I've seen a lot on social media people saying. How is this going to affect free agency with the lowered salary cap, all that kind of stuff? And I know with the under the CBA that salary cap is supposed to rise, and it said it was going to rise between 84 million and 88.2 million for next season. But I, I can't see that happening just with what's going on financially. I think it'll stay at 81.5 million, which I mean, obviously that's pretty good, and you want the sport to keep growing and raise it. But right now, I mean, our whole the whole entire economy, the world economy is 
in a, has a problem right now. So I can't see that they're going to raise that at all. Yeah, I think uh, I think for everybody, this is unprecedented, uncharted waters that that we're all in. Um, whether it's you know from a governmental level with what's going on with COVID nineteen to the the sporting world, which is trying to react and figure out how um, to kind of complete some of their seasons with the NHL. There, there's a lot with, with talking about hockey. There is a lot of things to consider and a lot of things to try and figure out. Salary cap is one of them. I know we were talking a little bit before about some of these off season. Um, events, the NHL draft, obviously taking place before the season ends. How does that impact certain things? And like you said, a free agency. How does that play an impact? Um, you know, it, it's such uncharted waters. There's real no easy answer. I think more likely than not, the salary cap is not going to raise much if it, if it even does, because um, there's just not a lot of uh, wiggle room with everything that's going on. But it'll certainly free agency will certain be, certainly be a interesting animal this year to say the least with it with everything that's going on even when it starts to begin with i mean usually what july 1st is free agency day uh that certainly can't happen if we're starting the season in july or restarting the season in july i should say so um there's a lot more questions than there are answers right now yeah so for the islanders i mean we could pinpoint they got some key rfas restricted free agents in matt barzal ryan pulak and Devin Taves, and I, I think we both agree that they got to sign all of these guys. Obviously, priority number one is Barzal, but just the play of all these guys. I mean, this is Devin Taves and Pulak. They're not, quote-unquote, so young. I think they're around 25, both of them. But, I mean, they've played great on the back end, and these are guys that they have to lock up. For Barzal, the, the thing is, where does he value himself after, you know, we look at different convicts in the league, like a Sebastian Ajo, uh, the Canadian sent him an offer sheet, Carolina Hurricanes match it, or you got Mitch Marner, who's coming in at no biggie. How much is he making? 10.93 million annually. So, you know, it's where do you put Barzo? It'll be interesting. I mean, obviously he's a guy that, uh, I mean, Islander fans especially view as a, as a superstar. Um, and I think he's a guy who's certainly taken notice to what's been going on with other RFAs in the last year or so, but something that was mentioned the other day, you mentioned that I did a little zoom conversation with a couple of the other Islander beat writers um arthur staple of, of the athletic andrew gross of newsday and brian compton of nhl.com and, and um, one of the things that was brought up was that perhaps with everything that's going on the likelihood of guys going in hard for these high 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 numbered um you know contracts or offer sheets from other team or not offer sheets but um offers from other team from the islanders or whatever team they may be maybe they're not as as um inclined to be um, as high as years like past. Mac, Max Steels. Yeah. yeah. They don't want Max Steels. Just yeah. because of the situation going on in the rest of the world, it's hard to sit to sit there possibly and be, um, you know, a professional athlete, you know, saying, I want this amount of money when people are struggling to even make ends meet with people being furloughed and um, losing their job and everything. So that, that certainly could be something that comes in, into play too, is the public perception of how these athletes um, deal with free agency and deal with contracts because of what's going on in the world and certainly it's if you're someone and say you're a fan of the sport and you see a guy holding out or or saying he wants x amount of money um when the team's offering maybe a little bit less it's it's hard to really be on that guy's side at the moment because you're a person who may not may or may not be in a, a much 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 tighter financial situation so um that could play a factor that was something a couple of those guys mentioned and i tend to I tend to agree that that could be uh something that plays into how free agency and how our phase are dealt with um, this offseason just because hockey is a, a and hockey players are guys who are very cognizant of their I guess public perception and not trying to rock the boat too much in, in the public eye 
Yeah, and um, I think Andrew Gross of Newsday mentioned the thought of a bridge deal for Barzal. And then regardless, you don't want a bridge deal. It's a one- or two-year deal with um, less money, obviously. And that way, over that time, you show how much you're worth and you get that max deal. But I think especially for hockey, where the athletes are paid a lot less than other professional sports, it's more of, you know, they do look at uh, the media and how they, they are viewed. So I think that taking a big, big deal like if Matt Barzell were to ask for $11 million, I think mm-hmm. it just looks bad. Obviously, if he gets the money and he's happy with the money, he's not going to care that much But because you're going to go pay and see him anyway. But at the same time, yeah, I, I agree that hockey players are cognizant about what's going on in the world and all that kind of stuff a little bit more than other athletes. It's 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 interesting. It certainly is to be, be very interesting. Like I said, there's so much uncharted territory we're in right now um, from a lot of different perspectives. This certainly... Uh, is one of those things where it'll be fascinating to see. Also, you have the thought of compliance buyouts, uh, where you know the league could say, uh, you know, every team gets one or maybe one most likely compliance buyout, kind of like you had during the lockout a couple of years ago during the 2013 season. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So there's a lot of different factors that could uh, could certainly come into play here when we talk about the free agency and off season and, and all the things that go along with it. Do you think he's worth a minor deal? Based on what you've seen over his few years in the league, do you think that he could see around $11 million? I think there are a lot of people who think he would be worth it. Um, I, you know, you're talking about an NHL a rookie, a Calder Trophy winner, um, a guy who's a very talented hockey player. It would be hard to justify not signing him to a deal that um, he's asking for just because as the Islanders aren't a team of stars to begin with. And then to potentially put issue with one of your budding stars, a guy who... You know, he's been to a couple All-Star games now. He's the guy who's essentially, when you think about it, he's the, the I don't want to say face of the franchise right now, but he is, you know, when John Tavares left, he was the guy everyone looked to to be the next big thing on, on the Islanders. So um, there's a reason why people were chanting Barzal's better at John Tavares when he came back to Long Island. Um, and I think that there are people who out there who certainly think he's worth $11 million. I don't know. I don't necessarily think that he isn't but i wouldn't say that if you didn't give him 11 million dollars it would be the end of the world either i think that realistically when you look at his play um i think there's some argument to be made that he could he's not as highly valued as that he's still a valuable player don't get me wrong but he's i kind of walked around your question here but i guess i wouldn't i if i'm general manager i don't know if i'm giving him 11 million dollars uh here for an rfa contract or after you know as a restrictor free agent that's just my take i like i don't i want to say that i don't not not think he's worth a lot of money don't get me wrong but i don't necessarily know if it's 11 million dollars yeah i could no i completely agree and also another thing is lou lemarillo said uh jam of the owners made it clear that he wants to sign barzell even before it gets to free agency before that get it over with and elliot freeman of sportsnet said that he believes offer sheets are going to come and like I said, we saw what happened with AHA, where it forced like the hands of the Hurricanes to match a deal they probably didn't want to. But right, you know, it's, right. that's, a, that's a player like that. I mean, do you do you agree with his statement that you think there will be a lot of offer seats, and do you think that the Islanders will match whatever offer comes their way? I mean, just from kind of the, I mean, Elliot Freeman's a guy who's locked into the league as 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 they come. Um, but with that being said, it's it's hard to really say that that's that's going to be a thing that's coming because I feel like we've heard that for so many years now. And even in the big year when you had Marner and these big name RFAs and guys, you would say, this is the year that there's got to be an offer sheet from some team, right? They just really haven't come. 
Um, so I would be hard pressed, especially in this this certain this economic situation we're in with everything that's going on. I would be really surprised to see that many offsheets coming uh, from other teams for for different guys. Also, because GMs still are very 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 hesitant to use offsheets, considering the ramifications they feel will come later from doing it. So so I, I don't me personally I don't necessarily think that the offsheets are going to be coming fast and furious, um, or that we'll see too many if any this uh, this off season. Yeah, one more thing about Lou and what he should do with Barzell is the fact that they gotta they gotta get a high caliber winger to play alongside him. They've been saying that for years. They said that when they had Tavares, they tried things, never worked. But you can't mess this up with Matt Barzell if he does return. Maybe he takes less money in order to give room for a guy like Mike Hoffman. Get a guy like that. I mean, he's a 29 goals, 30 assists in 69 games this year. Nifty hands, sniper shot, quick release. I mean, I could see a deal between five and a half to seven million, three to four years, stuff like that. But they got to have the money to go out and get a guy like that because they surely need that. Yeah, I think there's no question that the Islanders could use a little extra help. I mean, um, you know, one player that kept kind of coming up was too was Zach Parisi. People kept asking about that the other day when we were doing the the Zoom chat, and um, that that could be an interesting thing. I mean, the the kind of caveat to that would be obviously Parisi coming here would be if there's a compliance buyout in the. Minnesota Wild are using that on Zach Parise. The Islanders, you know, he still gets money and the Islanders could come in and uh, sign him for a less hefty deal. And that could be uh, something that pans out too. But I, I don't disagree with you. I think the Islanders certainly need a, a winger. They need some uh, some help uh, from for some of their other lines, certainly. And, and obviously, if I'm Matt Barzal, I want a guy, I want to play with a guy. And this is not a, you know, dig at anyone else he's been playing with. But I want a couple more weapons on that roster to kind of make this team, push this team over the edge. Because we can see what the, what the Islanders do when they're playing four lines, the Barry Trot system, they are very successful. Um, but the problem is that when you look at when they don't play successful, a lot of that comes down to the personnel they have in the roster, and that usually comes down to when you have one or two guys out that it becomes apparent of how uh, the Islanders roster is set up and how that if you take one of those guys out, things could get kind of hairy pretty quickly, especially, you know, that bottom six, six part of the roster, the things get hairy pretty quickly. And obviously the Islanders are not a team that's not, that's scoring a ton of goals either. So um, it certainly makes for an interesting situation when you kind of mix all of that together. Uh, so I don't disagree with you. The Islanders could you definitely use another winger or two to help some of these guys out. Matt Barzal, Jay, uh, you know, Pajot, you're talking, you mentioned him before. Um, he's also a guy who benefits from having a good winger, alongside of him to help make him a better player and help contribute to his goal scoring. So I, I, I think that's that's a pretty fair uh, fair representation of what the Islanders could need or could should do during the offseason. And it just goes to show how the Islanders have made strides the last couple of years, but just how far off they are from teams like, you know, the St. Louis Blues or the Boston Bruins in regards to depth. You look at the Blues. The Blues lost Tarasenko, one of the top players in the league, the first week of the season. He's been out the whole entire time. They'll probably be back for playoffs, but they're still the top of their division, top of the Western Conference. Look at the Islanders. They lose a guy like fourth liner Casey Zizekas for a little bit, and they're lost. So it just goes to show that how you got to have scoring, because obviously the St. Louis Blues could score, and so right. can the Boston Bruins, a team like that. But you got to get a weapon who, a sniper. That's why I think Hoffman's a great choice coming out of Florida. He played with Otto before then. I heard people mentioning Taylor Hall. I think that is a <laughs> not a good idea. Just at, everywhere he goes, it just seems like it's not worth the price. So I think that that would be a mistake, even though Hall, you know, he's clearly a great player. There's a reason he's in the NHL. But I think for your money, I think you can get away with getting Hoffman at, at a reasonable price. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, Hoffman's certainly a name. I, I don't know if I would discount taking Taylor Hall either. I think that would be a, a huge boost for the Islanders too. So uh, I'm sure there are plenty of names that they'll they'll look down and say uh, this could be a possibility when, when they get to that point, whenever we get to that point. Um, because you're right, the Islanders, like like you said, like I said, the Islanders need some sort of help and add a little depth to their to their roster because they are a very good team. Uh, the problem is. Like like you're saying, they are a team that is very contingent on all their starters being healthy and ready to go, and the Islanders benefited a lot from that uh, last season when you had them go into the playoffs and they sweep Penguins in the first round and get swept by Carolina. But they did not have a, uh, any major injuries that I can remember off the top of my head. Um, and even when they did, you had you had you know uh, an injury on the blue line. You had Devin Tays come in, and I mean he was crucial to the Islanders' success last year. So. Um, and then you look at this year when you lose a guy like Adam Pellick, who is a guy that plays really well. And I think we've talked about it before. He plays really well, does a lot of solid things, but you never really notice him until he's not there. Well, now you take him out of the defensive end, then it's been a struggle to kind of replace him. Noah Dobson's, you know, looked better and better as the season gone on. But, he, you know, it's been a bit of a struggle. They went out and got Andy Green. And he's he's filled the void, a, uh, you know, a bit. And I think that's kind of stabilized things. But still... Um, you get the sense of just how important health is. And I mean, that's that kind of seems like a very stupid thing to say, but you, you look for the Islanders, it's especially true because there isn't as much depth as these other teams have. Yeah, and especially with all the skate, the skate blades and everything flying. Yeah, I, mean, yes. I mean, it's just, I've never, I've never seen, I don't think I've seen an inch, three, uh, two of them, well, three, you have Boychuk too. I've never seen that in a season ever before. And thankfully, everyone's okay. They had some too close calls, especially with the Boychuk and the, Clutterbuck one, but definitely yeah. having these guys healthier, and especially when you know you pay Boychuk decent amount of money, you want him out right. there, especially with right. his leadership and stuff. And these are the years where you start to see Boychuk's on ice production kind of start to go down too. When you look at that contract, and when you looked at it a couple of years ago when he signed it, but I mean the the skate blade thing, I mean that's just nuts. I I having covered the sport now for something like ten years or something like that, I don't think I've been in, witnessed one in person uh, for the first eight or nine. And then this season, I've seen all three of those injuries live. The one in Boston, I was up there for Islanders inside. Uh, and then the two, uh, you know, games that happen at home. I mean, it's just, it's shocking to see those injuries and how easily they can occur. It, it really was something that you're just like, wow, that's that's nuts. And it wasn't even like other teams had the same issue. It was just clearly the Islanders who, I mean, maybe Boychuk's going to wear a full cage. I don't know. He, he's not scared of anything, though. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like he dives every time to block shots, gets up, is in a little bit of pain, walks it off. He doesn't care. Yeah, he won't stop. Yeah. But definitely, no, the Islanders, hopefully when the season comes back, the Islanders can find a way to use momentum from getting the fourth line back, a healthy Boychuk, and just have depth scoring in order to push their way into the playoffs. But thank you, Christian, for joining me as always. This has been a pleasure during this quarantine. There's not much else to do besides talk, <laughs> hockey, true. sleep, and eat. So it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Happy to do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow Christian Arnold on Twitter at C underscore Arnold 01 and me, Stefan Rosner, at S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R for more on Islanders hockey. Hope everyone and their families are safe and healthy and remember to stay inside and wash your hands.